What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In 2017, Keita O'Neill was murdered by San Francisco Police Department Officer Christopher Samoya. Former San Francisco District Attorney Tessa Boudin had brought charges against the officer, bringing a small glimmer of hope for justice to O'Neill's family. But the current district attorney, Brooke Jenkins, um, has announced after dragging the family along for months and months that she will not be moving forward with the case. We are joined this morning by former San Francisco District Attorney Tessa Boudin. Good morning, Tessa. Good morning, Kat. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We are also joined by Keita O'Neill's aunt, who we've had on the show several times, April Green. Good morning, April. Good morning. Thank you for having me again. Of course, April. I am I am so sorry, though I have to say not surprised um, that this is the conversation we're having today. I, I want to start with your initial reaction. Um, I shouldn't have been surprised. I was just really hoping and trying to believe that she would want to do the right thing in this situation. Um, very disappointed and um, just getting ready for this fight because I refuse to bow down to this. I, I am continuing to fight for my nephew's voice to be heard, not just his voice, because my nephew is gone. It's not just about him anymore. It's about the rest of our black and brown men and how they're interacting with the police and how the inter- the police is interacting with them and how they're being treated. Tessa Boudin, your reaction when you heard the news? Well, you know, like April, I, I'm sorry to say I wasn't surprised. Um, I think we all saw this coming, you know, notwithstanding the very dishonest rhetoric about, you know, her calling herself progressive. We all knew that she represented the most reactionary right-wing um, proto-fascist forces in the city, and it's really disgraceful to see her, you know, bought and paid for by the police union and their lawyers, to see the unethical collaboration with the defense lawyers, to see the double standard in the way that the office under her leadership is treating cases involving police violence and treating all other cases. Um, you know, her excuses for why she's doing this are dishonest. Um, you know, when I charged this case, we did it based on the facts, the exact same facts that led the police department to quickly fire this officer for violating their training and protocols. The exact same facts that led a judge to sign an arrest warrant that initiated this criminal case. And the exact same facts that led the city attorney to recommend that the city and county of San Francisco settle a multi-million dollar lawsuit with Kate O'Neill's family. And it is absolutely crystal clear that Jenkins has been coordinating behind the scenes with the defense team to avoid a public hearing on the very disturbing facts of this case, which were captured by body camera. This is a case in which a police officer improperly and unlawfully shot and killed an unarmed man, a black man. And the fact that they're doing everything in their power to make sure that the public never even gets to see a public hearing where the evidence is presented to the court is a disgrace. Tessa, walk us through Jenkins' excuses for not uh, pushing the case forward and, and why they are not legitimate. Please. Well, there's too many of them to even know where to start. I mean, you know, you talk about someone who wants to hold other people accountable and refuses to take any responsibility or accountability for their own decisions. Um, it's all about finger pointing. Um, but one of the really important ones to, to just unpack is they are saying, 
that um, they can't prosecute this case because it was filed for political reasons. Meanwhile, look at the way they've politicized their war on drugs or their expansion of prosecution of sex workers or uh, the decision just yesterday that they're going to try to undermine um, and eradicate sanctuary city policies in San Francisco that protect immigrant families and communities. Um, They are politicizing everything they do, and yet when it comes to prosecuting police violence, they say that's too political for them. Um, the other thing, when you dig into the weeds that they're saying, which is really important to understand the, the, the double standard and dishonesty behind this, they're saying that because some lawyer who never worked for me and some investigator who was previously assigned the case didn't believe they could secure a conviction, that that opinion of that investigator and that former assistant district attorney constitute Brady or uh, material that has to be given to the defense. And it was given to the defense in this case. And it formed the basis of a defense motion to dismiss. I want to be really clear. In almost every difficult case, whether it's a murder or a sexual assault or a domestic violence case where the survivor does not cooperate with prosecution, in almost every one of those difficult cases, you've got somebody on uh, the DA's office team or the police department team who forms the opinion that it's going to be difficult to secure a conviction who forms the opinion that without this piece of evidence or without that testimony, it may be difficult. Those opinions within the legal team working on the case are core work product. They're not evidence that constitutes discovery or Brady material. If they did, and if that's the standard that DA Jenkins' office is beginning to uh, apply, first, not coincidentally, of course, in a case against a police officer who shot and killed an unarmed black man, then surely that same standard should apply to every other case the office prosecutes. But I can tell you it doesn't. It's just dishonest. It's it's conflating attorney work product with discovery material the defense is entitled to, and they're doing it because they're cooperating with the defense. It's clear. April Green... Brooke Jenkins drugged this out for quite some time. I mean, one of the first conversations that you and I had was before the election even happened, right, Um, when she had just been appointed uh, into the seat. Do you think she ever had any intention of prosecuting this case? Well, I always had my doubts, but she would want me to believe in the several meetings I had with her that she was listening to me, that she could identify with me as being an Afro-American woman herself with a son and that she was going to really review the case and look into it. But then at the same time, all I would really hear is how she felt that Chesa did a dishonesty in the case and they were unraveling and had to relook at stuff he did because they didn't believe that he prosecuted corrected. So I've heard this from the very beginning. So I kept telling her that, you know, it doesn't matter because I've been pegged as being a Chesa supporter is why I've been kind of been getting mistreated. Even recently at a rally where the mayor of San Francisco, Breed, was supporting Tyree, but not supporting her own being murdered in her own city by policemen, but standing by someone in another city and not even managing her own city, that I was yelled at as being a Chesa supporter. I'm a little confused. How is my nephew getting caught up in politics? This is a black man that was murdered. It doesn't matter if it was a green Martian from Mars who prosecuted that case. I would stand by that person. And I stood by Chase because of him doing that. And he did the right thing. So, no, I had my doubts. I wanted to believe the truth. I shouldn't be surprised. 
But at this time, my attorney I have named Brian Ford, we forward a letter to the attorney general. We told Brooke Jenkins that I want her to sit down on this case um, because of the media, people like you being in the pressure, being a voice for my family has put the pressure to where she's decided that she should step down. And she should, because I'm concerned, even if she had the case, that she wouldn't put her best effort into it and it wouldn't even get uh, a conviction if she doesn't present the correct evidence. So, no, I'm not. April, you mentioned that the fight isn't over. What does organizing uh, moving forward look like for you and your family and the community that supports you? This this Thursday, there is Black Lives Matter and the, the Longshoreman uh, event is happening in San Francisco. And I've been asked to speak um, at both. And my nephew's name will be mentioned, a part of it. And... It's going to take their voices. It's going to take other voices. Uh, Attorney Rob Bonta needs to step in. A matter of fact, there's legislation that was passed last year, July of 2023, as that says that in the future, the attorney general will be taking on cases and investigating personally cases that involve policemen and unarmed civilians in homicide cases. Even though that law passed in July of 2023, it doesn't say that he can't go back and open up old cases. But in my situation, my nephew's case has not been closed yet, dismissed. It's still alive and moving. So he really is the last hope. If not, we're looking to other options. We are treading down a line that a victim has never had to do before because the the district attorney is supposed to represent the victim. So this is a first where the victim is going against the district attorney. And this is sad because they're supposed to be there when you're going through and grieving with your family, they're supposed to be your support. And when Chase was in office, we were side by side. I've always was involved. They always kept me in tune and I always got the support I needed. And I'm not getting that anymore. You know, Kat, if I could just add in for a second here, I mean, the other thing that's so sad and and unethical about the way this is being handled is, is exactly what April was just pointing out is the disrespect and the, and the double standard when it comes to victims, you know, they campaigned uh, and, and led the recall by claiming we weren't doing enough for victims. And yet it turns out that this office only cares about certain victims. Maybe it's only white victims, or maybe it's only victims um, when police aren't involved in causing the harm. But, you know, we really need and San Francisco deserves a district attorney's office that treats all victims with respect and honesty. That's why when I was district attorney, we started not only to expand our victim services division across the board to include supports for property crime victims, to include supports for victims of police violence. But it's, it's also why we um, sponsored legislation that would have required across the state victims of police violence to get the same supports and treatment that victims of any other kind of violent crime receive. Um, and it's just, it's really dis- disappointing to see uh, San Francisco in a place right now where someone who has been through what, what April has been through, what her family has been through. And we know it's not just her. Uh, um, you know, one of the other homicide cases we filed involves a man named Sean Moore. And just last week, his mother had an op-ed in the San Francisco Chronicle explaining the ways in which uh, the DA's office is violating Marcy's law, is refusing to keep her informed, not even telling her which lawyer is assigned to the homicide case against the officer who shot and killed her son. It's disrespectful, it's disgraceful, and it violates San Francisco, uh, excuse me, California's constitutional protections for victims. 
Jessica, you and I had, you know, a, a few conversations because I felt it was really important for a community to understand, you know, all of the, the, all of the steps it takes to get to a place where you can actually bring charges, you know, uh, against a police officer. Uh, we heard April mention uh, Attorney General Rob Bonta. What legally would need to happen for him to be able to pick up these cases that Brooke Jenkins is saying she's not going to prosecute? You know, the, the reality is the Attorney General of the state of California has the authority to substitute himself in to represent the people of the state in any case, civil or criminal that's being prosecuted by, you know, a local uh, city attorney or, or district attorney or county council where, where the, the plaintiff is the people of the state of California. That's every criminal case uh, that's in San Francisco. So all he would have to do is say, I'm taking over this case. Um, but I want to be clear about how problematic the way Jenkins handled this is. I mean, she's not making it easy for him. Um, she's not making it easy at all. She's coming out and saying all kinds of dishonest things about the case, about the way the case was filed, about the quality of the evidence. She's undermining his ability to successfully prosecute this case. So it's not just that she's threatening, saying she's going to dismiss on April, on March 1st. It's that in the process, she's giving the defense things that they are never entitled to in other cases, that they never receive in other cases. She uh, is publicly, uh, you know, taking a poo all over the case right before saying to somebody else, oh, here, do you want it? And, and that's, that's just not, it's not ethical, it's not appropriate, and it's not designed to get the attorney general to take the case. It's designed to make sure that he doesn't take the case, but she can point the finger and say she tried um, and not take responsibility. See, now the difference with this case is I have the file because there was a civil before the criminal. Normally the criminal goes before the civil. So I have this entire file. So for her to do that is not accurate. Because just on the way the officer handled the gun, he violated policies. And just alone are the handling of that weapon when he used it. He was the only officer that was on the scene with a gun out and no other officer because there was no threat. Everybody else got the memo on the CAD that no weapon was involved. He acted on his own prejudice, his own by himself. So... There are plenty of evidence here. There's other evidence here. So that is so inaccurate. A matter of fact, when I met with Jenkins, and she said to me, what makes this case unique, and these are from her words, that usually when officers come on the scene, they come gun ready together, guns out. In this scene, he, nobody had their gun out but him. Matter of fact, when it was over with, he still had his gun out. They had to take his gun. They had to sit him down in a car, and they sent somebody immediately to remove him. Thank God the training officer took his gun because he snapped. He could have started shooting other people. There is plenty of evidence in this case, and she admitted it to me herself. And now for her to get in the air and say the opposite is not true. So now I'm worried. Is they going to start tampering with the evidence and things start disappearing? Do they need to start subpoenaing the prior district attorney and the people that were involved with the case because evidence will come up missing? So he needs to really come in, the attorney general, investigate this department as well. Not just take the case because I'm concerned. Is there some corruption going on? 
Chessa, what is this signal, this kind of behavior uh, by uh, D.A. Brooke Jenkins? What is this signal to not just the San Francisco Police Department, but their association as well? Well, I think it makes it very clear to, to everybody, to the public, and certainly to the members of the Police Officers Association in San Francisco that they're above the law, that they can shoot and kill with impunity, that even when criminal, child, criminal charges have been filed and signed off on by a judge and an arrest warrant, um, that this district attorney will not hold police accountable, that she's going to look the other way, she's going to point the finger, she's going to come up with excuses. And I think that's a very dangerous thing, particularly for black and brown men in our communities. Uh, we know that in San Francisco as across the country, there is a deep-rooted history of racism and violence uh, perpetrated uh, in far too many instances to count by law enforcement under color of law against young black and brown men. And for the first time, in San Francisco's history over the last several years, um, they didn't get to do that with impunity. There were criminal charges filed. There was accountability. And that's uh, one of the core reasons uh, why, um, you know, I was recalled because we were doing that work. And the police union engaged in a work stoppage. The, they and their apologists funded a recall to the tune of $10 million. And they put in place someone who claims to be a progressive and claims to care about police accountability, but the reality is otherwise. And we're seeing that very, very clearly with every decision that comes out of that office. Police are above the law, and it doesn't matter who they kill or what they do, she will not hold them accountable. There is no independence, there is no integrity, and there is no accountability. April Green, what responsibility do you attribute to San Francisco Mayor London Breed for any of this, if anything? Well, she's the one appointed her. She's the top dog in charge. And it's obvious she's controlling the people she's appointed. I do want to say something. I don't know if people are really getting this message. If this officer walks away with murder, it will not matter if there's a video camera, if there's witnesses. These officers are going to start slaughtering our black and brown men because they know, and they could put it on their own video, and, and laugh about it because you have a district attorney who's in office that will not prosecute. That will be a very sad day in San Francisco. Chasa, they need Chasa back. There are a lot of us that feel that way. April, I am so sorry. Again, you always have a platform here. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. And Chesa Boudin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kat. Uh, thank you, thank you. One more thing. I did want to mention that last night the NAACP had a meeting, the executive board, and they unanimously voted to support my case, my nephew's case going forward and for Jenkins to prosecute this case and not dismiss it. And that's the San Francisco NAACP, correct? Yes. Today they have a, okay. a press conference at 11 o'clock. Okay. All right. Thank you so, uh, so much to both of you. We've been speaking to Chesa Boudin, San Francisco's former district attorney who filed historic manslaughter charges against Christopher Samoya, the San Francisco Police Department officer who murdered Keita O'Neill. Brooke Jenkins, the current San Francisco district attorney who replaced Chesa Boudin after a controversial and sadly successful recall effort, has dropped those charges and stated that they were filed for political reasons. We also were joined by April Green, the aunt of Keita O'Neill. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. 
The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Arts Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.